1: Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know, our trusted partner,
2: tirerack.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Vredestein Pinza AT. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, simply go to Tirec.com slash sports. TireRight.com. Sweet tire buying should be.
4: This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio.
2: Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio, live and direct from the city of Angels. Where, uh, I guess the Chargers call home. Eh, eh. Week one of the NFL is in the books. And, uh, last night. Uh, I was 1-0-1 on picks, 1-0-1. Both home teams were three-point favorites. A uh, a great come-from-behind push by the L.A. Chargers, which probably should have been a win. But let's start there, and then we'll work our way uh, to the Vikings-Saints game. Now Let's start with Vikings-Saints first. Mark Slayer is going to join us in 15 minutes. He's a former Bronco. I, I want to get his take on the Broncos' offensive line and how much of that was just a, a product of... Being at home, a product of some terrible play calling from Ken Wisenhunt, his offensive coordinator of the Chargers, or a product of maybe the the Broncos are really good. Because there were times in which their offense looked solid. Solid. But in this era of you need a quarterback in order to succeed, the Broncos won a Super Bowl essentially without a quarterback. And I know they had Peyton Manning, but that Peyton Manning – through nine touchdowns, 17 interceptions in the season, and was terrible, terrible in the Super Bowl. They won They won in spite of, not because of, the play of Tom Brady. Oh, he got us into the right plays. He couldn't throw a football anymore. That's part of playing quarterback. A big portion of playing quarterback, isn't it? Um, so, look, I don't know how good Trevor Simeon is. I know he'll never be Peyton Manning in his prime. But could he be Peyton Manning of two years ago? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Let's start with Minnesota versus the Saints. Of course it makes uh, sense for the Saints to draft a running back in the second round and then sign Adrian Peterson in addition to uh, already having a good running back, right? I, I get that. I mean, look, the the two people most responsible for their rise are most responsible for their fall. Drew Brees and Sean Payton took the, the, the Saints who had won, I believe, one playoff game as a franchise ever when they got together in NOLA. One uh, playoff game ever. Took them to a Super Bowl. Made them... Uh, an offense worth showing up to watch, and Drew Brees has been on this amazing run of five thousand yard passing seasons. But the truth is that I, why would you even have a running backs by committee, especially when Adrian Peterson's never been a running back by committee? When what you need is defense by committee. Every resource they should have had has should have been gone to go and get that to get the defense. But what a bunch of mis- mismatched parts! The defense is still isn't good. The offense is good at running back with a quarterback who likes to throw to wide receivers. Outside of that, Mrs. Lincoln, how is the show? And then there's Sam Bradford, and this is really important. I don't believe Greg Oden is a bust. That's because Greg Oden was never ho- healthy enough to be called a bust. Right when your body lets you down. And it forever takes away your uh, your ability to live up to that potential. I have a hard time calling you a bust. Sam Bradford, by many people, was deemed a bust. What you have to remember with Bradford was he'd had a different offensive coordinator every year, every year of his career uh, up until um, up until this year. Uh, last year, of course, uh, Pat Shermer took over at midseason. Pat Shermer had been his offensive coordinator his rookie year when he was with the St. Louis Rams. Shermer, of course, then left to become the head coach of the Browns. And then last year, when Teddy Bridgewater got hurt, it was Shermer who was the rabbi in the room to bring in Sam Bradford. Now, look. I wasn't at this network. I was in another network. But you guys can feel free to reach out to the guys of the other network. Or Kyle Rudolph is tight end who's going to join us. We had a great – Kyle was like, dude, this guy is awesome from day one. But what do you think about Sam Bradford? Oh, he always gets hurt. Always gets hurt. And he doesn't throw the ball deep downfield. Sam Bradford was pretty good last night, right? This coming off a year in which he led the league in completion percentage, actually highest completion percentage for a season in the history of the league. Some of that is because their offensive line was in tatters. They had to just get rid of the football. But now you give him Dalvin Cook, a burgeoning star at running back who can run it and can catch it. You give him Stefan Diggs, who's a burgeoning superstar at wide receiver. And you give him an offensive line which has been put back together and Bradford, living up to the potential he had that was derailed by different voices in his ear with offensive coordinators and two consecutive ACL injuries. Here's Sam Bradford.
5: You know, I think a lot of it honestly started up front. You know, our guys up front played great. You know, they gave me time. You know, when I've got time to sit back there and kind of evaluate things, you know, I've got all the confidence in the world that our guys outside are going to win.
2: So Bradford was magnificent. Magnificent. And for people who thought... That the Vikings gave up too much when they gave up a first round draft pick and I think a third, right? I think it was a first round draft pick and a third for a fourth and Sam Bradford. They couldn't give enough up because in the context of last in the context of last year, there was no other quarterback available and they thought they had a playoff team. They probably did before injury. And in reality, Sam Bradford's only making like 14 million bucks. 13 last year, 14 this year. That's a reasonable contract for a quarterback in the league. And if you think he's a middling quarterback, that's fine. That's actually low a middle-to-low uh, middle end of the starting quarterback uh, tree in terms of what you make per year. I think the Vikings are really good. I thought they were good last year before they sustained injuries. And I think now adding Dalvin Cook makes them better in the backfield. I do think the Adrian Peterson thing, though. Everyone told me he looked great, and he did look great running the ball. That's just a bet. That's just a bad fit. Right? You go to a team that's not used to having a number one running back. The expectations are at your age, you can't be a number one running back. They have two other quality running backs, and they don't even want to play your style. It's not like they want to hand you the. Who, who was the last time? Who was the last New Orleans Saint to get the ball thirty times in a game? Twenty-five times in a game? Even when Reggie Bush was there and they won a Super Bowl, Reggie Bush was a versatile weapon who wasn't always lined up as running back. They've never had a guy. That one just seems like a bad fit. So I don't know if the Vikings are great. I do know that that's the perfect home opener for them. You get Adrian Peterson, which fires everybody up. You get a team that's not great defensively, especially at linebacker, a team that can score. But you have a really good defense that kind of plays to your strength, especially at home. All right, let's go to the nightcap. What's the hardest thing to teach little kids, uh, uh, Ramos, in soccer? I mean, maybe for you guys, it would just be score a goal.
0: Uh, <laughs> that's well, These are your older girls. I would say with my U8 team, it's just how to stop the ball and dribbling, just the basics of it.
2: Okay. What do you think the hardest thing to teach in coaching is?
0: For for me or just in general? General. Oh, jeez. Oh, geez. Just the basics, I guess, the, to listen and, and to focus and, you know.
2: Yeah. I don't know if that's – is that the hardest thing?
0: Well, there's a lot of hard things to teach kids in, in, in any I, sport, I I agree.
2: Think. Agree. The hardest thing in coaching uh, adults, in coaching men, in coaching a team, in my opinion, is how to win. Maybe not how to win, how to expect to win. So, Ramos, this team that you have now that got smoked seven nothing in your opening game. Yes, same team you coached last year? No,
0: no. Uh, they redo the teams every year for each division. It's a balance. They they call it a balance for soccer. They rebalance the teams due to. Wait, so last year you were the worst team? No, we were the uh, we came in fourth out of six.
2: Okay, and they balanced you by making you worse.
0: <laughs> well, we moved up in division, right? Okay. We're U-14 now. Last year was U-12. So some girls move up, some girls stay. And that goes, um, not just girls, anybody. anybody right, 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 right. I got it.
2: Yep. Yeah, my son plays uh, U-10 baseball. He's eight, which means he's nine, eight and 9 That's correct. Right? Yes. Yeah, I got it. I got it. I'm with it. Um, I bring it up because I think one of the things that the Chargers are suffering through, and frankly, it's hard. You have two new coaches, and that was... And, and look, as as tough a listen as that was last night, uh, with Beth Moens and Rex Ryan, and um, uh, what's the guy's name, uh, Sergio Dip? Did you feel bad for Sergio Dip?
0: I think you do. I think we're in the profession that he's in, and so you you want people to succeed. I do want people to succeed. I I.
2: Well it's a it's a loaded one. Um, I understand that he does Spanish language television, right? And having lived in Russia as a play and as a player and learned to speak Russian, I tried to conduct an interview uh, after we won the championship in Russian and i I don't think I did particularly well. I think I was really good when I stayed on message the The difference is I don't think it was the language barrier as much as. He completely lost his mind on TV, right? Like, it was the magnitude of the moment rattled that guy. And it's not, and yes, Monday Night Football is a huge stage, but it wasn't his first time on TV. Um, Look, what happened last night, there's a bunch of things we can get into, and we will in terms of the X and O's with Mark Schlereth, three-time Super Bowl champion, former Denver Bronco, and a Denver radio host. But the biggest takeaway is that even though the Denver Broncos tried to do their best San Diego Charger 2016 impression and give away the game in the fourth quarter, give it away. Um, If you are a Charger fan, like I am, because of the ways in which they've, they've found ways to lose games, they should rightfully win. The problem, la- the biggest problem last night was the Chargers, or at least assumed they were going to lose. Everybody assumed they were going to lose, and everybody assumed Denver was going to win, even when Denver was trying to give it away. That's the, the hardest thing to coach in, teach in coaching is how to win, or how to change kind of that mindset of everybody believing we're ultimately going to win this game.
4: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
2: The Broncos last night and their success, their ability to drive the football, was based upon, you've talked a lot about that reworked offensive line, and how much of it was, they're at home, the defense is great, and consistently put the offense in good position to succeed.
6: I think a lot of it had to do with, now, they made some mistakes. Don't, don't question that. mentally Watson struggled on the right side. They flip-flopped left guards throughout the entirety of the game, which I personally hate because it's really difficult to get into a rhythm, and I played that swap-the-guard game, and, um, and it's just a really tough thing to do. But I think there's a couple of things that, that really transpired that gave you hope that that offensive line is going to be better. They've been doing this with the left guard position throughout the preseason trying to figure out that battle. That's a tough thing. To get done. Then, number two, you missed Ron Leary left with a concussion, in that I think, in the third quarter. And Ronald Leary was the big free agent acquisition from the Dallas Cowboys. You came in there with a kid and a second year player that really hasn't gotten much run in Connor McGovern. He actually acquitted himself pretty well, had one pressure that led to a sack um, late there in the fourth quarter. But for the most part, you didn't miss a beat. Most people didn't notice that that happened. The kid you drafted and Garrett Bowles actually played really well. Now, here's the test. I know I said Middle League Watson didn't play well, and he didn't, man. At 3.30, he gets ragdolled a little bit, and that's because of footwork. He's not really fluid footwork-wise. But – you're playing against one of the most formidable defensive lines. When you talk about Bosa, you talk about Ingram, you talk about Legit. They can play. Mebane, they've got a front four that can flat get it done. And so that's got to be encouraging. And on third downs, they were 8 of 15. You, you do go 8 of 15 on third down in this league, and you're going to win a lot of football games. So Those things are all, I think all those things, this has been a completely unbalanced football team. It's been completely uh, predicated by defense the last couple of years. So you put those things together with the offensive side of the ball and you got to feel pretty good about coming away with a victory on the uh you know on the, your first game of the season in Denver
2: what about the Chargers what, what I said was uh, look I didn't love a lot of the play calling uh as Ken Whisenhunt. They're, they're 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 trying to rework their own offensive line trying to keep pressure off of Phillip Rivers he had a ton of turnovers last year but it was it was a lot of conservative stuff on first and second down and when they went no huddle uh, you know, after getting some turnovers late, they kind of opened it up, and obviously that that happens with anybody when you're down that big a number late in a game. But I I feel like the biggest thing missing between the two teams is everyone assumed the Chargers were going to lose no matter what happened, and everyone assumed that the the Broncos. There's just like the culture of winning in Denver, even though they're coming off a disappointing season, is much stronger than the culture of winning in in San in, San in L. A. Is that is that fair to say?
6: No, I think it's I think it's fair to say. And Philip Rivers, you know, as great as Philip Rivers is, um, you have to look at the personnel you put around him. You mentioned the offensive line, um, a receiving core that, let's face it, is less than you know, less than daunting, especially for a Denver Broncos squad who will lock you up in man free and just say, bring it. This is what we do. You got three starting corners that can all flat out play. Um, you know they're not afraid. They're not afraid to play your man and say we're going to unleash the pass rush and just see what comes, uh, comes what may. And I- I'll tell you the other thing that was interesting in Denver's loss in San Diego last year look at the numbers of hunter henry and of antonio gates they crushed the middle of the field they destroyed the broncos in the underneath coverage both linebackers and the safety position there's a lot of noise made about tj ward being let go the last cut a lot of people very upset about it they did that because they felt like they had better coverage situations with justin simmons long lean athlete unbelievable um just physical talent and i think antonio gates if i'm not Not mistaken, had two catches and Hunter Henry had none. So yeah, I didn't. I
2: I I thought I I actually texted my friend who works for the uh, for the Chargers and asked if Hunter Henry was playing. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, it's crazy how good they were against those guys.
6: Right, exactly. So, you know, I think you have to tip your cap to John Elway. Um, you know, and I've had a discussion with him about the whole T.J. Ward thing. But, you know, they saw from a personnel standpoint, they saw the the next kid that was going to play. Also, a kid by the name of Will Parks who got a lot of run as well. So, you know, the I mean, you think about this, Doug. Going into the end of the third quarter, um, I believe Phillip Rivers was 8 of 14 for 59 yards. Yeah. 59 yards going into the fourth quarter. Ended with like 192 because, you know, they had the bust in coverage and they hit Benjamin for a 40 plus yard touchdown and all those things. But, I mean, that is, that's incredible. And you don't even have your best pass rushers. And you know, you have Vaughn Miller, but Shane Ray was out. Um, Shaq Barrett's just coming back. Uh, You've missed two other starting defensive linemen, rotational defensive linemen, do injury for the opening weekend. So, pretty amazing what they were able to do to that, to, to that Chargers offense, considering they had the injuries and, and the different players they had to play.
2: Alright, let's go to the uh, the previous game where you had uh, the Saints and the Vikings. Obviously the Vikings are going to be better at home, better get off, but boy, I just, it feels like some mismatched pieces there, pieces there in New Orleans, right? Like, they're a team that likes to throw it, and it, not a ton of investment in their wide receivers. They got three running backs, but Adrian Peterson is not a running back by committee guy. And then you have a team that's desperately in need of defense and their defense is is very, very average. And they got exposed against the Vikings. What are your thoughts on that, that first Monday Night Football game?
6: Yeah, well, I think you nailed it. I mean, I think you look at the personnel moves they've made. Here's an offense. They've always spread it. They've always thrown it down the football field. You've got one of the elite quarterbacks in football. The one difference maker you had at the wide receiver position in Brandon Cooks now plays for the New England Patriots. Um, and not 100% sure from a personnel standpoint what you're doing. I saw Adrian Peterson on the sideline giving um, Sean Payton a stink eye, and you just look at it like, what did you expect? Did you think you were going to get it 28 times a game? That's not what they do. Now, I understand being upset because you only got it six times for 18 yards. But I guess note to Adrian Peterson, you better make those six ca- carries count because yeah. you've got to have more production than that. I, I, I certainly would expect, Doug, 12 to 15 carries, not six carries. But sometimes the game dictates that. You know, sometimes you get, you get beat um, you get beat early. You get behind in the, on the scoreboard. Um, before you look up, it's already, you know, 19 to 3 or something, some crazy score like that, and you're like, uh-oh, here we go. So that's kind of what dictates. But you're right. You know, defensively, they've been trying to overcome that bad defense for years and years and years. And, uh, and it looks as though that uh, they haven't figured that one out either.
2: Are you buying the Vikings?
6: Um, I would like to see no. I, I think the Vikings are outstanding defensive personnel. I think they're a really good group. Um, I love Dalvin Cook. I think he's great. know, yeah, I think offensively, they've got some weapons. I still don't. I have to see this offensive line perform against a really good football team and, and that 's going to be my biggest question mark, because they had wholesale changes over there. I have to see them perform against an elite level defense. If they can do that, then I think they 've got a chance because Sam Bradford you know, Sam Bradford is an incredibly accurate quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, he's great now. A lot of underneath stuff to be sure, but he's incredible. He has just been beat down. Two ACL injuries. You know, he got beat up in his in his days in St. Louis. Um, and last year, he was kind of coming out of that. I think that he could be really good if they can protect him. If they can protect him, then yeah, I would buy them. But I still think the Packers are the class of that division.
2: Um- how fixable are the issues with Houston's offensive line? I mean, Dwayne Brown's sitting there holding out. He's got to be just uh, – I mean, but but the offensive line was so bad. Is it simply Dwayne Brown's back and they'll be fine, or is there more to it than that?
6: No, there's more to it than that, but that certainly would help, and it just goes to show you, you know, every year, Doug, it's so funny, because every year, you know, like here in Denver, they get rid of T.J. Ward, a guy that's under contract, and they get, you know, they get guys that they think are underperforming or about their way out. They They dump those guys. And nobody seems to have a problem with it. You know, then Dwayne Brown says, hey, listen, I'm an elite-level tackle. You need to pay me. I've outperformed my contract. And they're like, pound sand, dude, we don't do that. Well, guess what happens? You give up ten sacks. You try to single-handedly send everybody on Jacksonville's defense to the Pro Bowl. I mean, it was, it was ugly. You know, I was reminiscing, and, you know, I hate to go you know, back in the day, but uh, in my time with the Hogs in 1991 winning the Super Bowl, we gave up nine sacks in 19 games. 9-19. Nine they gave up 10 sacks in, in one game. game. I mean, it is that is as ugly as it gets. And I was like, there's two people that are just grinning from ear to ear. Dwayne Brown going, I told you so. And how about Brock Osweiler going, thank the Lord I don't play there anymore. Gosh, how how miserable was that? It
2: was incredibly miserable. The, the, the good offensive lines have been the good team so far in the NFL, right? Like, that's really yeah, the... What,
6: look at the look at the the giants and cowboys remember how everybody said like i'm not i'm not a fan of anybody kind of throwing gasoline on the fire but you know i look at ben mcadoo basically saying last week i know a little bulletin board material and whatever but he's like i can't even name any of their defensive backs in dallas and i'm like oh there you go that's wise like that's that's one you probably don't want to throw out there um, and so anyhow you know, they come out there, they can't block the way to have a wet paper sack. And I hear a bunch of people saying, well, the OBJ, it would be different. Why? Is he going to play left guard? Is he going to play right guard? I mean, they can't block anybody. And you can't win. One thing about this, and this just goes to show you, like the skill involved in playing that position. The teams that performed well. One week one, you see teams that struggled up front, and I'll show you teams that got their butts handed to them on a consistent basis. The Giants, the Houston Texans, uh, you know, there's a bunch, Seattle there's a myriad of different guys. Se-
2: Seattle Seahawks.
6: Yeah, the Seattle Seahawks, the Cincinnati Bengals, on and on it goes. And that is an incredible skill. Like, there's no more skill involved in, in football than moving a man from point A to point B against his will. And, and it's, it requires it, it requires incredible technique and everything else. And um, the way the league is constructed without really practicing and without really playing games anymore in the preseason, very, very difficult to do. Dallas controlled the line of scrimmage. They controlled the tempo of the game. They controlled the time of possession, and they absolutely thunder-punched the Giants in the face.
2: Um, uh, what about the New England Patriots? Uh, they, their defensive line offered very little resistance or, or push-pass-rush against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, are, are Should we freak out at all about the Patriots?
6: They're probably one team that I won't freak out about. Um simply because I know they've done it before. I know there'll be adjustments. I, I, the one thing I worry about more than anything, and the defense did get shoved around, and they'll get that you know, they'll, they'll look at that, they'll correct what they need to correct um, but they did get physically worn out I think the biggest thing for me, it's not very often that I look at a wide receiver and think that's the heart and soul of a football team. That's kind of the, the actuator of the offense, or that's the heartbeat or the soundtrack of that particular offense. I thought about that way, you know, with Hines Ward back in the day, of the Steelers, or uh, – you know, or Steve Smith, uh, Mighty Mouse, with Carolina or with the Baltimore Ravens, those are the guys that I think about. Julian Elman is that guy. He is that dude that you can throw a, you know, a shallow cross at, at third down and seven. You can throw it to him at four yards. He'll break two tackles, lean over the sticks, bam, first down. Then he'll get up talking smack to the defensive backs who were trying to tackle him. You know, that that kind of energy. Brady come, came out of that game and said we lack competitiveness. And um, intensity or something of that nature, I'm paraphrasing, but those were kind of the qualities he talked about their football team missing. And that, to me, was we miss Julian Edelman. And they've got to rectify that either is that also. They've got to find somebody who can be that kind of actuator, that heartbeat of their organization on the offensive side of the ball.
2: Stink, great stuff. Can't wait to see you on the TV side. In the meantime, appreciate you joining us here on the radio side. That's Mark Schlereth, three-time Super Bowl champion and a proud member of our Fox Sports family.
4: Stink, thanks for joining us. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
2: What if I told you that Cam Newton's the most overrated quarterback in the NFL and Sam Bradford's the most underrated quarterback in the NFL? It's hot tank talk! Get me Kyle back! Uh, Kyle, by the way, at WSJS is one of our affiliates um, in uh, the Triad in North Carolina. The triad, obviously. Right down there, around where Wake Forest is, around where North Carolina State is, Carolina, Duke, all that stuff. It's in Winston-Salem, High Point, Burlington. I know High Point, Burlington, and Winston-Salem is not Raleigh-Durham, I understand, but close enough. The rest of us, close enough, right? Same state, good enough. But but here's the reality to it. I, I keep hearing mixed messages from, um, from NFL analysts, right? They all say you gotta let Cam be Cam. You gotta call design run plays for Cam. But then they also say he's gotta get rid of the ball quicker. I mean, all he's gotta do is gotta get rid of it quicker so he take, gets hit less. Wait, so you want to put him in harm's way more and make him more of a runner, and yet have him get rid of the ball quicker? Here's the real problem: Cam Newton's strength is going to get him hurt. It allows defenses to hit him more. And it's not a strength that the best quarterbacks who have lasted the longest long, lasted the longest and been the most successful have used to be successful in the NFL. Sam Bradford uh while more athletic than you think and less fragile than you think, right? Like you think of Sam Bradford and you think his leg's going to break in half. Look, he's not built, Cam Newton's built like a superhero, right? I Like, I don't know what a real life superhero would look like, but I would guess it would look like Cam Newton. He's six foot six and a half. He's like 250, 260 pounds. I mean, he's, he's a complete freak of nature physically. And it's not like Sam Bradford's a little dude. Uh, Sam Bradford's six four two twenty five. 225 Like that's not, that's not a little dude. That's not a little dude at all. Six four two twenty five. 225, but he looks... But Sam Bradford is deadly accurate. Like, crazy, deadly accurate. Not just last night, completing 84% of his passes, 27 for 32. Last year, of course, because he had to get rid of it quickly, he set the single-season mark for completion percentage. The longer you go in the NFL, and the longer you go in the NFL, the more you have to be accurate, precise, get rid of the ball quickly. Now, Bradford has at times taken the underneath stuff, not challenged himself deep, kind of like he got a little Alex Smith to him, but not as bad as Alex Smith, and some of it is more personnel-based. But if you're going to err on one side, you err on the side of accuracy as opposed to home run hitter. I mean, basically the difference between the two is one guy is a punch and Judy, get on base all the time guy. The other time swings for the fences. And while in baseball, we have started to get to the, hey, we'd prefer a guy who hits home runs or strikes out to a guy that tries to punch in Judy it in football. It's the opposite. football, it's about getting the ball to players who have athleticism in space, right? And what what do they get in a running back? What do they have in Stephon Diggs as well? You got Dalvin Cook and Stephon Diggs, two freak athletes. Get it to him in space, get it to him quickly, and then get the hell out of the way. That's what Bradford does. I'm not saying Bradford is Peyton Manning or Bradford is Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. I'm not. But your perception of Sam Bradford is he's a bottom five starting quarterback in the league. And the reality is he's never played an offense where they've thrown it a ton. He hasn't been healthy enough. He only played 16 games, two seasons in the NFL. Both of those two seasons, uh, one was his rookie year. The other was his third year. My guess would be this year he'll throw for 25 touchdown passes, maybe 30, just over 4,000 yards, as long as everybody stays healthy. My guess is that Cam Newton would wildly disappoint. So some of this is based upon um, their own previous successes. Cam Newton was the MVP of the league two years ago. He was never the best quarterback in the league. What he was was the quarterback for the best team, and they had created a system where Cam could be the best version of himself. But in order to do that, you got to have a good running game, you got to have a good defense, and you got to be willing to play, uh, you know, possession football, kind of like what the Cowboys are doing, where you don't put him in harm's way, and you got to live with the fact that he's not a he's not a high completion percentage guy. So to go from he was the MVP of the league to I don't know. I think Cam Newton's somewhere between the 10th and 15th best quarterback in the league. To Sam Bradford, like, I don't think he's the best quarterback in the league, but coming into the year, people would say bottom five, bottom 10. And I think he's right there in the range of a Cam Newton, 12 to 18. Didn't say he's better than Cam, but the truth is, if healthy, what he does lasts longer is more successful more often than what Cam does. And Cam is viewed as a superstar, and I think he's a superstar in persona, a superstar in reputation, more than how he actually plays.
4: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
2: Ask me a question, Dan. Ask me any um, any question at all. Who's the best quarterback in the NFL? No comment. Oh, okay. Who's the best running back in the NFL? No comment. No comment. See, no comment, somehow now no comment, Thanks. no comment has taken on like a whole new meaning of its own. Right? So I think no comment was what Tom Brady said because he was asked a question about Colin Kaepernick. Hey,
3: are you glad or are you, uh, have you paid much attention to the Kaepernick stuff or no?
6: Uh, Not much. Not much. I mean, not this time of year, I feel like I've, Got a lot, my attention goes in a lot of places, so um, not
5: much.
2: Hmm. That was on Kirk and Callahan. He does a uh, he does a weekly hit on WEEI, which is a big radio station in Boston. And first, in fairness to um, in fairness to Tom Brady, he wasn't asked. Do you think Kaepernick should be in the league? Do you think Kaepernick should be a starter? He just they It was like they felt compelled to ask him a Colin Kaepernick question, and then the question changed within the question. Take a listen one more time to the question itself.
3: Have you paid much attention to the Kaepernick stuff or no?
5: Uh, not much. Not much. I mean,
3: not this time
6: was, of year. There was like something
2: I've... a little bit before that, Ramos, where he started to ask it a different way. Go ahead.
6: Hey, are you glad or are you uh, proud that no, none of your guys, none of your teammates sits down for the anthem? Right. I don't really pay attention, you know, to to that. You know, I... You know, probably a lot of things for me to think about at that time. Um, But I haven't I haven't thought about that much. Right.
2: So. So, look, this is Tom. I haven't thought about that. I want zero part of this discussion. Nothing. No, I want nothing to do with it. This is a no win for me. No thanks. This is Michael Jordan saying, hey man, Republicans buy sneakers too, right? That's what he told his mom when his mom said, why don't you stand up and say you vote Democrat Republicans vote. Uh, That's why. But what happens is I was actually watching, was that on Undisputed earlier today? Yeah, Undisputed earlier today, they're acting like he took a side in this. No, no, no. All he said was no, All all he said was, I don't really want to talk about that. But instead of being defensive and saying, I don't really want to talk about that. He's like, I don't really pay attention much to that. <laughs> I like, really, again, that doesn't mean that's your focus and doesn't mean you're totally lying. Like you can tell a lie without being, without lying. Right? Because it's, it's, it's true. Technically, I'm sure he doesn't pay a ton of attention to it. Like, I don't think Tom Brady cares if Colin Kaepernick's in the league. I don't think he cares if his guys take a knee. On the other hand, like, I don't even, I, I, I don't even pay much attention to that. I don't, this time of year, this time of year, what what time? Fall? Too worried about apple picking? Leaves turning? I mean, and credit those guys, because they kind of offered him a soft landing with Kaepernick, right? Do you pay much attention to it instead of asking him a more pointed question? But that's one of those, somebody told him they had, to somebody, you know what, ask him, see what he's going to say and then he wanted nothing of it, and then you move on. But at least they can say, they, look, we asked him a Kaepernick question, he just didn't want to play ball. But my point to Dan was, somehow now, no comment has become a comment, when no comment is just like, I don't really want to answer it. And this, this does go to show that Tom Brady is smart enough, adept enough, many of these guys are as well, to which they can they can get out of answering questions. There could have been really good follow-up there, though. Right? Like, if one of your teammates came to you and was like, hey, man, you had that Trump hat, it mean a lot to me. You don't have to take a knee, but you put your arm next to me. Or did Belichick tell you guys specifically, nobody knees. Nobody kneels. Because their guys didn't kneel. But I don't pay attention to that much means I want no part of this discussion. Find another topic. As quickly as possible. But it's but saying it in a
4: very delightful, easy way. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
2: One of the guys who's been a beneficiary of Sam Bradford being his quarterback joins us now. Kyle Rudolph, tight end of the Minnesota Vikings, joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Kyle, how are you?
5: I'm doing well, Doug. How are
2: you? Good, man. Um, okay, so, like, look, you've been through this before. But to have Sam the second year, second time around, what, what's the comfort level? You and I talked about this last year, about how you were blown away by him when he first got there, how much better he was than anybody told you. But having the same guy as your quarterback for two consecutive years now through an entire training camp, what was that experience like as opposed to last year?
5: Well, it was big for us. and you know, Obviously, we got countless reps throughout OTAs, minicamp, training camp, preseason that we missed out on last year. Last year, uh, as well as Sam played, uh, we were still kind of playing catch up with everybody else in the league. So you know, it was just a as I mentioned last off season, I was on your show. It was a true credit to Sam with how well he played coming in uh, on 15 days' notice and going out there and starting the season as our starting quarterback. So uh, you know, this year going into year two with all of us together, uh, we had Pat Shermer around all off season as well. So being in kind of the same system for two years in a row. Uh, I think there's definitely a higher comfort level with, among everyone on offense.
2: Eight completions of 20 yards or more, and like, look, dude, you know the 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 knock on Sam has always been that he'll check it down, that he's really accurate, but he likes to dump it off to keep those accuracy numbers up. Last night, you guys were throwing it big, you know, chunk plays, Thielen some chunk plays, uh, Stephon some chunk plays, you got some chunk plays as well. Was that the game plan because of the Saints' defense, or is that? more of the style to which you guys want to play heading forward?
5: Well, I definitely think it's the style we want to play heading forward. Um, and, you know, the thing that goes unnoticed in that, and, you know, all off season, it was brought to our attention how we need to improve our downfield passing game. And uh, part of the reason that we were able to throw the ball downfield is we were able to establish a run game, uh, which we did not do a whole lot last season. And uh, Dalvin Cook obviously comes in in his rookie debut and runs for over 100 yards. And, uh, I think you've got to give a ton of credit to not only Dalvin, but to our offensive line and all those guys up front. You know, they obviously kept Sam clean all night long, uh, but they kind of wore that same defense down in the run game, and uh, Dalvin was able to rattle off a couple big ones there at the end of the game.
2: Was there ever a discussion? I talk with the Chargers about this. Was there ever a discussion about wrapping them in bubble wrap the entire preseason? Is, there any, is that is that a possibility to keep them? Because that was the deal last year. It wasn't that they were bad. It was like nobody survives when everybody gets hurt, right?
5: You know, especially with that unit, uh, you know, it's, so much goes into the continuity of those five guys. And, you know, that no coincidence that uh, the Atlanta Falcons were playing in the Super Bowl last year, and, and they had one offensive line that they started the entire year. And, uh, you know, we didn't even make it through one game uh, last year with the same offensive line. So, uh, you know, having those guys together, they – Obviously, we had a couple position battles throughout preseason, but uh, you know they were kind of able to settle in towards the end of preseason, and they went out and played unbelievable last night.
2: Most important question: How are the babies?
5: They're awesome. We actually just left swim lessons, so we had a big day off. Uh, got them out in the pool. They love the water, so it was a bunch of fun.
2: All right, yeah. Because and, and now, do you sing the songs when you're in doing sw- uh, swim lessons with the twins? Like, you're you're do you actually participate in the song singing?
5: I participate. I wouldn't say I'm, you know, full bore on, on the singing side of things. Uh, more, you know, it, it's like when you have the ball in your hands, you're just trying not to drop it. And, you know, when I'm in the pool with the girls. I'm just trying to make sure I don't drop them and, and get them, you know, scared of the water. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just locked into holding on to them.
2: No, it's awesome. I, once they get to when they're like actually like three and four, they're like swimming on their own, then it's... Uh, then it's fantastic. I, I will point out that it really doesn't do – it's it's more of a bonding thing than actually teaching them how to swim, right? Like, oh, no, I had swim lessons for two years when I was a kid, but yeah, they don't actually learn uh, anything anything at all. Kyle Rudolph, our guest on the Doug Gottlieb Show, Vikings off to a 1-0 start. Um, what, what was the experience like of Adrian Peterson being in a different uniform?
5: Uh, it was definitely weird seeing him out there and seeing him on the opposing sideline. Um, I'm just glad that we didn't see him, you know, running down the sidelines loose like, like we're accustomed to. And, you know, what I saw for the last six years here in Minnesota. So uh, I, I was glad that we were able to kind of contain him a little bit. And, uh, you know, I saw him after the game and told him best of luck for the rest of the year. And now I hope he goes out and kills it.
2: You mentioned Dalvin. Uh, what about him? I mean, like, look, we saw him in college. We know how special he can be. What about him, though, for a guy, seven-year pro, for you, really impresses you about the young kid?
5: Well, I mean, as young as he is, the the way that he comes to work every day, um, you know, he wants to learn. He wants to find out how to become a true pro and a professional. And then, you know, his God-given skill set, the patience and vision that he has to go along with, you know, his unbelievable speed. Uh, I think part of the reason why he made a lot of those runs last night were, were because of that, uh, you know, not necessarily wide open holes right away, but he seems to find them. And, you know, you don't have many negative runs with Dalvin.
2: Kyle Rudolph uh, joining us on the Doug Gallagher show. You know, you guys have this weird schedule, right, where you have so many home games. What is it? Uh, it's like five of the first seven are at home, and then you have a stretch where five of seven after the break, after your bye week, are on the road. Uh, that's got to be. That's. I mean, like, and especially considering how well you. I, I guess here's what I want to get to. Last year, you guys started out so hot. You had all those injuries, and the thing fell apart. Did, does that help you this year? Do you call upon it, or are are the years different individually?
5: No, I definitely think it's something that we are able to learn from, and uh, you know, a lot of times this offseason, I was asked if you know, we were the team that started five and zero, or are we the team that finished three and eight, and. Um, you know, I think we're able to learn from that three and eight finish, and you know, I think we're an improved version of the team that started five and zero. So, I definitely think that'll be something that we'll be able to call upon this year. And uh, you know, we really try to take it week by week. You know, you hear that so often in the NFL. Um, you know, so we enjoyed that Monday night win last night, but now we've got to get ready to go play the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we have to take that approach throughout all sixteen games this year.
2: How different is it when you have a short week?
5: You know, it is. It's, it's incredibly different, you know, it's not only from a, a mental standpoint, going from one game plan, you know, we're preparing so long for the New Orleans Saints. And, you know, really think back to when the schedule came out in May, you're thinking about the New Orleans Saints. And then uh, now all of a sudden that game's over, and now we have uh, five days or whatever it is before we're going to go play the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, uh, you know, you have to move on quickly. And in this league, whether it's a big win or a tough loss, uh, after you know, about 24 hours, you got to be on to the next week.
2: You're a, uh, not only a bright guy, but as as we mentioned, you're a parent. Uh, th- there's a growing discussion, or maybe it's discussion's always been there inside the league. If a guy's going to hit you high or hit you low, which you prefer?
5: Uh, I am of the side of get hit high. Uh, you know, I'm a bigger guy, so most of the time guys are going low um but I you know I I feel like I can protect myself and you know kind of get a shoulder in there if a guy's gonna hit me high when when you get hit low there's not much to protect yourself especially when you're not looking you know when it's a a ball down the field and you know I'm looking at the ball and someone comes in and hits low uh and I think that's where you see a lot of the injuries kind of like the Odell one that we saw in the preseason
2: you're going into Pittsburgh this weekend and for people don't know you grew up in Cincinnati like Growing up in the Midwest, is there still, and maybe it's different now because you've been in the league so long, is there something to going and playing the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road?
5: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be my first time. You know, we played Pittsburgh the last time uh, in London, and uh, this will be my first time going to Pittsburgh since I went to that stadium when I was in college, and we played the Pitt Panthers. Uh, But growing up in Cincinnati, uh, you know, the Steelers came to Cincinnati every year, and you know, the Bengals would go, and that was such a heated rivalry. Uh, you know, and I grew up kind of around that, so uh, I know what it's going to be like going into Pittsburgh this week. It's going to be a tough test, uh, but I'm looking forward to it.
2: I can't believe the dogs came in and beat Notre Dame. I just, I, I thought freshman starting quarterback at Notre Dame. I mean, I, I look, I didn't think that Notre Dame was great this year, but I definitely didn't think that was a game that they were going to lose. I know you watched it. What were your thoughts?
5: Uh, I thought it was, you know, obviously a tough loss, like you said. I think that was a game that. They had to win, uh, especially when Georgia's quarterback went down and they bring in a, a true freshman quarterback starting for the first time. Uh, you know, you'd think that alone would kind of give them the win playing at home. Um, but you got to give credit to Georgia's defense. I think uh, that front, they got a couple rushers that are really talented, a linebacker that's extremely talented. So, you know, watching those guys play. Uh, you know, they'll be able to kind of carry that team while their quarterback's out.
2: Yeah, that, uh, that Godwin catch was pretty special, too. It reminded me of uh, Stephon, Yeah, Stephon's catch was nice. But that Godwin catch with one hand in the end zone was, was freaky good as well.
5: It was, and it was one of those things. As soon as they went to the first replay, you know it was going to be reviewed and probably overturned. It was an incredible catch.
2: All right, listen, man. Congrats on the touchdown reception, on the win, on your health, the health of those babies. Safe travels to Pittsburgh, and uh, we appreciate you joining us on Fox Sports Radio.
5: Thanks for having me, Doug. I appreciate it. All
2: right, it's uh, Kyle Rudolph. Good dude, good tight end, very good player for a very good team. The Minnesota Vikings healthy and loaded for bear. We'll see how they play against the Pittsburgh Steelers this Sunday. That's a game
1: that's on Fox. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
3: So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.
1: Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumbacasino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is Malcolm Gladwell
2: from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need,